Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. I'm your Bible teacher today, and we are diving deep into 2 Chronicles as we study the kings of Judah. And why are we taking the time to study the details of their life? Well, friends, it's because they stand as great warnings to Christ's followers today. You know, studying the lives of these kings, we draw, we extract principles out of their lives that can save us a world of mistakes, a world of heartache, a world of bad decisions. So I'm glad you're walking with me through this series. If you've missed any of these sermons, I want to encourage you to download my free mobile app. It is Awakened to Grace, and you can get it wherever you get your favorite apps. Have you ever considered becoming a partner with us? You know, it is because of listeners just like you on whatever platform you're listening on right now that we are able to take this kind of gospel teaching and spread it as far and wide as we can. And when people just like you come alongside us and you support us through faithful praying and through generous gifts, well, friends, you allow us to be able to not only maintain our platforms, but to go even further and advance the kingdom of God. Why don't you pray about becoming what we call a grace giver? And grace givers are those who stand shoulder to shoulder with Awakened to Grace. You can learn more about that at awakentograce.com. If you want to know the platforms we are on currently and how the Lord is using us right now, Go to awakentograce.com slash ways to listen. And I hope you are blessed by how many ways God is enabling us to spread his gospel. www.awakentograce.com slash ways to listen and consider becoming a grace giver today. Well, let's go to God's word. We're examining today the boy who became king And oh, what principles we are going to learn today on this episode of Awaken to Grace. As we get ready to look at Jehoram in 2 Chronicles 21, I want to share with you a little bit about where my thoughts have been this week. I began a book on Thursday I try each year, I average about a book a week that I read. And I love to read. And now that I'm blind, I listen to audiobooks. But nonetheless, I love, to, I love to devour books. And Thursday, I begin a book called The Accidental President. It was on the presidency of Harry S. Truman. By the way, do you know what the S stands for in Harry S. Truman? Nothing. His parents were divided between her grandfather and his grandfather, which both started with an S, and they couldn't make a decision. So they said, ah, we'll just leave it at S. <laughs> Isn't that funny? He was born in 1887 in Missouri. And I've so enjoyed this book, The Accidental President. It chronicles how he came to the office of vice president and, of course, FDR died in his fourth term, early in his term at the end of World War II. 
And I'm paying attention to what this book is saying and what's happening in our country today. And it's all converging for me. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm an avid news listener and I keep my ear to the ground. I'm, I'm watching what the climate of our culture is. I'm watching the divisiveness of the country. I'm watching all that is unfolding right now at the speed of light. And then I'm going back and I'm paying attention to history. Progressivism and this far left ideology, the seeds were really planted with Woodrow Wilson. They were flourishing under FDR. But what surprises me, even though had I been a pastor back then, I don't believe I would have aligned with those men's thinking. But even at that, at a greater altitude than that, what rose above those issues were the values of our nation. Now I'm studying Harry S. Truman, who was a staunch Democrat. Interesting. But even though I would not have agreed with many of their thinking, FDR was the one who wanted to pack the Supreme Court, just so you know that. These men were still greatly respected, greatly looked up to. You know why? Because they, even though I wouldn't have agreed with many of their ideology, they had a healthy view of God. Now listen, I'm going somewhere with this. Even though I wouldn't have agreed with everything with FDR and with Harry Truman, I went back yesterday and I listened to three of Harry Truman's speeches. The first time that he addressed Congress, right after, three days after FDR passed, the first time he addressed Congress, I counted it, he named God seven times. Not to mention the church, not to mention spiritual issues, not to mention good versus evil. He had a remarkable sense of what right and wrong were, what good and evil, particularly at the time of the ending of World War II. And I find it interesting that in our day, as divisive as what it is, as troublesome as what it is, you look at Harry Truman's administration, which was staunchly Democrat, and right after him was Eisenhower, which was staunchly Republican. And you know what I'm looking at a distance at? Under Truman began the national day of prayer in our country. The day that Japan surrendered unconditionally. Do you know what Truman did? He called for a national day of prayer. And it was Truman's administration that instituted a day of observance every single year in our country for a national day of prayer. Didn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican. The next administration, who was Republican, under Eisenhower's administration, came our motto that is printed on all of our currency, in God we trust. Oh, how far we've drifted. That whether you were left or whether you were right, you looked to God. How far we are from that today. Would you agree? 
think the study on kings is so fitting for our culture. We see the national mistakes that they made. We see the way that they snubbed God Almighty. Do you realize that in 1863, when Abraham Lincoln gave his great proclamation of prayer, do you realize Abraham Lincoln said, we have become the most prosperous and wealthiest and strongest nation in the shortest time in all of human history. And in 1863, Abraham Lincoln said, yet we have offended the Almighty. Abraham Lincoln said, we have forgotten him. I have not looked at this year's presidential proclamation for the National Day of Prayer, but I looked in last year's. Out of 485 words, God was never mentioned, not one time. Friends, we have forgotten, and we are offending God Almighty. Kings is fitting. Because we see the great mistakes that they made. And we're going to see an enormous mistake today by a king named Joash. I want to begin in Jehoram. And I want to end with Joash today. As I'm reading The Accidental President, which is a fabulous book, and I would recommend it to you. And I'm enjoying getting to know the life of Harry S. Truman. And I have a He intrigues me so much. He came to power at probably the most consequential time in all of American history. All of it. All of it. The first four months of his administration, the most consequential ever. And it's riveting and it's fascinating. And you know, all of these thoughts are just converging for me right now. And in this book, you know, they, they, they document everything that a president does, you know. May 25th, I'll just pull that out of the hat. You know, May 25th, 9.30 a.m., he meets with this person. 10.15 a.m., he does this. 6 p.m., he does this. May 26th, at 8.08, he had, you know, it's just, everything's documented. Last night, I listened to a fantastic sermon by one of my favorite pastors, Jim Cimbala of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York. And he was talking, and I never thought from this angle before. And again, it just all fits for me. Just the kings and where we are in Chronicles and the way I'm living my life and what I want out of my life for the Lord. And it just all fits for me. And I just finished, I was reading this, it's a 14 hour book, and I'm eight hours in. But I'm listening to this great book on Truman and all the timestamps and all the documentation. Pastor Simbola asked this question in Mark chapter 1, which we were there in January, when Jesus is baptized. Now say amen if you're with me right now, because I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Jesus is baptized. And do you remember what the Father said from heaven? This is my beloved Son, with whom I am what? Well Well pleased. Oh, you know your Bible. I love it. And Pastor Simbola asked a question, and I, I've never asked this before, and I've never thought of it from this angle. But he said, for, for God to be pleased with Jesus, what did Jesus do? He had no public ministry. 
It hadn't began yet. He had no disciples. No one was following Jesus at this point. He had preached no sermon. He had not done one healing Not one deliverance, not one miracle. He had not raised anyone from the dead or opened a blind eye or opened a deaf ear. None of that had began. So what was the father so pleased with? And Simbola argued that all through his teenage years, all through his 20s, Jesus must have done just daily life pleasing to the father. The way he treated his parents. The way he served his family. The way he did his carpentry work. The way he went to work every day. The way he ate his meals. The way he grew spiritually. God was pleased with his daily life. And then I thought about Truman, how everything was documented. And may I remind you, friends, heaven documents everything with us. Every idle word, every prayer, every action as well as every reaction. Oh, God, help me. You know, where I'm blind, I use the Google devices and the Alexa devices. And you walk by my office and you'll always hear me say, Alexa. What's this? You know, people ask me all the time, aren't you worried about every, you know, people listening? May I remind you, my friend, heaven listens all the time. Heaven records everything. And where all of these thoughts are converging for me, see in Chronicles, their lives boiled down to Either one of two statements. Either they did what was right in the eyes of God. Or they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Huh. Friends, our lives are going to boil down to that. What I appreciate so much about the kings. What I appreciate about those who chronicled. This history for us is that you and I can go back and look at their lives as we're going to do today. And we can make a decision. Are we going to live in a way that's right in the sight of God? Or are we going to live in a way that's evil in the sight of God? Everybody with me this morning? Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 21. I want you to look at a man named Jehoram. Jehoram. This is the son of jumping Jehoshaphat. (laughs) King Jehoram. Now remember who his wife is. He married that godless woman, Athaliah, who was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel in the north. And I want you to look at verse 6. Verse 6 is very telling. Matter of fact, you should read verses 1 through 5 because it explains why he ascended to the throne. It is because he was the firstborn of his other six brothers. So he did not come to the throne because he was spiritual. 
He did not come to the throne because he was the most qualified, because he had the deepest character or the highest integrity. He came to the throne simply because he was first. So what he did is he took his other six brothers after his father died, and he killed every one of them by the sword. He's a wicked man. Verse number six, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because he aligned himself with the house of Ahab to the north. So rather than following the Lord, rather than following in the footsteps of Jehoshaphat or even Asa or especially King David, his forefather, he chose to follow according to the house of Ahab. And he followed in their wickedness. But verse number 7 is a remarkable principle. Verse 7 teaches that even though men may be faithless, even though men may be wicked, I want you to note verse 7, the Lord would not break his covenant with David. The book of Timothy teaches that while we may be faithless, God is faithful. God does not break covenant. Amen. God could have so easily wiped out these descendants, but no. He gave opportunity after opportunity. We're going to see in a moment how he sent prophet after prophet, trying to warn, trying to convince, trying to persuade, but yet they would not listen. Jehoram, according to verse number 12, receives a FedEx package. Priority mail. And who did he receive this letter from? The prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah did not mince words. Elijah said, you have forsaken God. God's going to forsake you. You have murdered your six brothers, by the way, who were better than you. (laughs) I like that jab that Elijah throws. A little throat punch to Jehoram. And he says, and you'll suffer a disease for two years of the intestines, of your bowels. And he gives a very dire prophecy. You skip down to verse 14 and 15 of 21, and sure enough, a disease comes upon him, and he's in agony for two years, and eventually his intestines fall out. I'll share that with you right before lunch. You're welcome. (laughs) Give me a little more time to preach here. In verse number 20, what is the epitaph of Jehoram? What is his departing like? What does it say? And he departed at no one's regret. What a wicked life. What a way to live. You turn the chapter, his son, Ahaziah, comes to the throne. He's as wicked as his father. What happened to Jehoshaphat's lineage? Jehoshaphat so served the Lord. And now his son fallen by the wayside. His grandson followed, just fallen by the wayside. Wicked only reigns a year. Jehoram only eight years. 
By this time, you go to chapter 23, Athaliah comes to the throne. Remember, Athaliah is the wicked woman. She is the daughter of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And for six years, Athaliah rules Judah. What a travesty. This woman was so wicked. Are you listening to me? She murdered her grandchildren to take the throne. September 11th is National Grandparents Day. You would not celebrate her. What a wicked woman. In chapter 23, perhaps verse 11, I believe. What, what is the principle of Chronicles? What is the principle? The main principle is that God is not going to forsake his covenant. God is forever going to have a remnant. God is always going to have a people. God's plans cannot fail. God's plans, according to Job 42, cannot be thwarted. God's will is going to prevail, no matter what Satan tries to do in these men and women's lives. So the darkest days in Judah's history, and Athaliah is reigning for six years, and she's the most vile and wicked woman, and she's murdering everyone who's a threat to her. But what does God do? God conceals a young baby named Joash. And who is Joash? He is the last son of Ahaziah. He is the great grandson. He is going to be preserved. And where do they hide him? This is fascinating. A, a priest, a godly priest by the name of Jehoiada. Be great baby name if anybody's expecting right now. <laughs> Jehoiada. He hides him in the temple. And for the six years that Athaliah reigns, murderous, wicked, Jeho uh, uh, Jehoiada is raising Joash. Now go to chapter 24 and let me walk us a little bit through 24. And this is where the rubber is going to meet the road. This is where we're going to apply some things to our lives today. So I've tried to give you the context. I've tried to show you what dark days it is in the kingdom of Judah. Jehoram is wicked as can be. He only lives eight years. His son Ahaziah, wicked, he only lives a year. And now Athaliah has murdered all of her grandchildren. She is on the throne for six years. But unbeknownst to her is a baby named Joash who is going to continue the covenant of God, who's going to continue the remnant of Israel, who's going to continue the messianic lineage. Why? All because, chapter 21, verse 7, God will not break his own word. Amen to it. I don't care how dark things get in America. God's not going to break his covenant with his people. So Joash is hidden. And I want you to look at with me chapter 24, verse 1. This is amazing. <laughs> the boy... Becomes king at seven 
years old. Jehoiada arranges it all. If you go back to 23, you can read it on your own time. Athaliah hears the celebration. She walks into the temple. She sees what has happened. She rips her clothes and yells, treason. And Jehoiada says, take her out of the temple and kill her. If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awaken to Grace Weekly Sermons.